Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Special game calls for a special intro and a little Teddy K to kick off the show. I don't know. I don't know if you want to call it bad blood, but it is what it is. But this is the Orange or Black Insider. That's what this show is. We've got a special announcement at the end of the show that we want to share. We kind of teased a little bit of something about that uh, earlier today. If you follow us on Twitter and stuff, but we've got a, a pretty cool announcement. I'm Anthony Gazenza. He is John Sheeran. John, I don't know if you share Teddy K's sentiments about Tennessee, but... Uh, how are you, my man? I have no qualms with Tennessee. I love that. I, I love Nashville. I was down, I've only been down there once, but I had a great time. Um, I, I was a little disappointed. I figured this would be the one week. You know, we 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 wouldn't have to monetize the show. We might as well hear the expletives. But I understand. We got some got some younger uh, viewers in the in the audience. I should have let him. Man. I should have let him rip, man. I should have let him rip. You know, but I well, was like, he, oh, I don't know. You know what? He he's got no regrets apparently about it, and I don't really blame him considering what happened, but. Man, what what a, what a rivalry this is this has become. I guess. I mean, I, I guess it was a rivalry back in the day, but it's kind of been re- rebirthed in a in a very unique way. It has. Uh, I don't know how. I mean, this one doesn't have as quite as high profile of a game as the last two last year's regular season game towards the middle end of the season, where both of those teams were jockeying for playoff position, and then of course the big divisional round game in Tennessee. I have never been to Nashville. It's just sounds like a cardinal sin i gotta get out there i hear it's awesome so um i gotta get out there but anyway uh we've got a lot on tap we've got uh some some key matchups and everything to talk about as it goes with the cincinnati Bengals and the tennessee titans we have sam phelan set to join us in a few minutes who is the titans reporter for a to z sports.com he's going to give us the inside scoop we'd like to go and get uh the inside scoop on other teams from a lot of different contributors across a lot of different platforms and i know john and 
his site, A to Z sports.com are doing a great job covering all of the teams there. And he's bringing in his Titans guy to help us preview things. But uh, before we bring him in, let's talk a little injury report, John Sheeran, um, and let you know, let, let everybody know, get him up to date on where things are at this point. So you got four names on the injury report. One of them bigger than most in Joe Burrow, but this is the first time that Burrow has been a full participant at practice officially in back-to-back days uh, since week two uh, leading up to the Ravens. Obviously, Wednesday was a walkthrough. This is like the first real practice, but Burrow and all the other quarterbacks were you know, splitting reps and throwing during Thursday's session. I believe he wasn't wearing like a calf sleeve. or um, I believe someone mentioned that, so I don't know if that's notable or not, but Burrow was a full participant. He was the only one on the injury report as a full participant because Charlie Jones... And Irv Smith Jr. were both uh, non-participants for a second straight day. Charlie Jones is dealing with a thumb injury. Irv Smith dealing with a hamstring injury that took him out of last week's game. Typically, don't practice the first two days. Um, you're not at best, good, maybe yeah. a game time decision. But yeah, probably both those guys are on track to maybe not play. Obviously, we saw the Bengals replace Irv Smith with Tanner Hudson, who was called up off the practice squad. That might happen again with Charlie Jones. He's not only the backup slot receiver who actually got some offensive snaps last week, but he's the pump returner. The backup there is Trenton Irwin, who was inactive last week. So the plan might just be to switch those guys around. So they have they have plans there. But also Keem Davis Gaither, he was limited today with a knee injury. Keem Davis Gaither, Gaither, speaking of special teams, leads the team in special team snaps this year with 64 through three weeks. So special teams is looking like the area that's going to be the most impacted in terms of health, aside from obviously Burrow's calf. Yeah, ADG was on the injury report last week as well. Um, so he's, you know, he's on their limited Thursday, as you said. Charlie Jones, that's going to be a little bit of a, I mean, I don't know if you want to say it's a, it would be a big, big loss, but that's going to be felt by the Bengals if he does not go because he has been kind of picking it up on the punt return front. Um, obviously, with the big return against Baltimore for the touchdown, He's had a number of other nice returns as well. So that will be felt if he is not able to go with a thumb issue. And then down below, John, you see here, uh, Josh Wiley was, uh, he, he has an illness or had an illness. He was limited Wednesday with full Thursday. A um, couple of other names on there. You had uh, on the do not practice for the Wednesday and Thursday, uh, Luke Gifford, a linebacker, Elijah Molden, the cornerback with a hamstring, both of those guys with a hamstring. Peter Skaronsky, the guard, uh, ab issue, did not uh, practice either for the first two days. And then, um, you know, you've got uh, Tart, the defensive tackle with a knee issue. He went limited Thursday. Traylon Burks, the exciting wide receiver, he has a knee issue, limited Wednesday, and then did not practice Thursday. So that's not looking good for him. And then, of course, Harold Landry, the uh, the, the solid edge rusher, limited on Wednesday and went full on Thursday. A lot of notable names. Um, none more notable than Derek Henry, who uh, I mean, I would have met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it's mainly just rest. Uh, I think he had the toe issue or he had a toe issue against the Bengals in the playoffs two years ago. I don't know if it's like the same thing. It's just kind of bringing been, been brought back up. But uh, Danico Autry, I think, is maybe arguably the most important name here aside from maybe Henry or, or Skaronsky. Autry is a menace and he's yeah. used very smartly in that Titans defensive front. 
It's a lot of it's a lot of stunts, a lot of twists, and there's not really a weakness oh, yeah. in terms of that pass rush. And he gave the Bengals, he's given the Bengals fits every time that, that, that they've played him. So if he's less than 100%, I think that's notable here for sure. Yeah, because him next to Simmons, and then they, you know, last year I think didn't Landry miss most of the year or all of the year um, yeah. with a with an injury. So uh, he is back now, um, and so now you know you've got you've got kind of full strength, so to speak. But yeah, Autry popping up limited, uh, not listed on Wednesday with a, a groin issue. That's a guy that's gonna you know he he will, his presence would be missed if he's not in there. And then Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, the wide receiver, uh, limited. Thursday, uh, not noted uh, anything on Wednesday. On um, so you know, and it, it says there's an ankle thing, like you said, that might be a little bit in in line with Derrick Henry, where you know it's a rest type of thing. Uh, I don't know, but regardless, a lot more names on the Titans side of things, and we'll have to hear a little bit more here from Sam Phelan in just a little bit about where uh you know where he thinks who's going to play who's not going to play and the impacts of those along with many other facets with the Tennessee Titans but the Bengals uh are pretty healthy like you said there's there's four guys listed on the injury report now I mean the guys listed there would be missed um I think unfortunately for for Joe Burrow fortunately and unfortunately um I think we're going to see his name on the you know the injury report I mean likely going to continue playing until you know god forbid there's something really bad that happens but I think it's just going to be a regular thing, at least for the next handful of weeks, that he's going to be on the injury report, you know, with with the Cavs situation. Well, they're obligated to list any player who's still dealing with an injury on the injury report, regardless right. if they miss any amounts of practice. It, it, it's just as small as it could be as small as of a thing as like they just get treatment in the middle of practice, which may be the case with Burrow. It's just a constant maintenance thing with him, though, and that's that's just going to be the case. He's going to be day to day for weeks on end, so. Like what, what, however you want to designate that, like is completely up to you. But yeah, he's he's going to be on the injury board for quite some time, and it's just a matter of remaining a full participant instead of limited or do not participant. Yep. Well, we're going to get the inside scoop here and talk about this matchup going forward. Here we have. I'm going to let you introduce. He, he's he's part of A to Z Sports.com, John. So I'm going to let you do the honors as we bring in our guest to help preview the week four matchup between the Bengals and the Titans. Yeah, man, it's been what six, seven months since I've been with A to Z sports and A to Z sports is based in Nashville. So of course, when the Bengals are playing the Titans, we got to get the Titans reporter here. So welcome Sam Phelan who talks and reports on the Titans. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Thank you for having me, got, uh, having me on. Uh, always happy to talk ball. So uh, yeah, let's do it. Appreciate you making time, Sam. I, you're decked out with all the A. You got the A to Z lid. You got the A to Z background. I love it. I love it. Doing love a better it. job than me, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they Help make me, man. Put, That's all right. Hey, they make the they make uh, me put this up behind me, but the hat's all me here. This is uh, you know, whenever we can't do the hair, I'm just like, oh, nice A to Z hat. We'll rep the company. It's a good way of uh, you know getting off without looking professional, but also uh, you know, if if I can throw a logo in there, it's usually a good deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, appreciate you making time. John and I will just kind of pepper some questions back and forth uh, to you, if that's all right. If you got stuff you want to ask us, that's cool, too. But yeah, uh, we want to we want to pick your brain for sure. We just uh, as you probably heard before we brought you in, we just went over the injury report. Um, Not a lot of names, some big names on the Bengals side, but not a lot of them, but some really big names on the Titans side, including that popped up uh, Thursday here. Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins and many others. Autry's in there. So 
Can you give us an inside look on what the outlook is for those, you know, those big names on the Titan sideline playing this week? So the Titans love to do this. They, uh, they love putting some of their veteran uh, playmakers on the injury report, just cause they like doing a lot of veteran rest days on Thursdays. So as far as Hopkins, Henry, Autry, those names are concerned um, until there's really like a DNP Friday. I don't get concerned about any of those guys not playing for me right now. This is a maintenance day for them. The one significant one that I will be keeping an eye on is Traylon Burks, who started practice yesterday. I was out there watching him on the field to start practice. He was then listed as limited. Uh, he's kind of brought back this knee brace, knee sleeve thing this week that has not been on his knee in previous weeks. And then as you uh, saw on the injury report, a DNP for him today. So potentially a setback. I don't know for sure, but something to monitor where the Titans could be without Traylon Burks, which takes an already underperforming offense and, you know, really makes things more difficult for them. So, yeah, I mean, Burks was injured, I think, last year in the middle of the season, and then he had an injury scare right leading up to this season, but he didn't end up missing the, the start of it. So it's been him and obviously DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, talk, just talk about just the, the impact that Hopkins has had so far as the number one receiver, because if Burks can't go, you, you just have to imagine that the Bengals are going to see plenty of him in this game. Yeah, Hopkins is the guy I would say the Titans thought they were getting in Robert Woods last year. Uh, with Traylon is sort of this deep threat that can run long developing routes down the field, create space over time, give them a big play. But he's not as refined as a route runner in short space to be able to, you know, run a five-yard slant, put the ball on his hands, he'll pick up a first down for you. So right now, DeAndre Hopkins has been Ryan Tannehill's safety valve. Third down, any situation where he's got to have it, he tends to look at D-Hop. A lot of his targets go that way. I think his impact is also minimized by the offensive line and the continued failures they've had at actually uh, protecting Ryan Tannehill and giving him a clean pocket to throw. But he is sort of their – I don't expect DeAndre Hopkins to have many 20-plus yard catches down the field. Just put the ball somewhere where he can get his hands on it and he's going to catch it. Talking with Sam Phelan uh, from A to Z Sports, covers the Tennessee Titans, does a great job there. Happy to have him joining us. Uh, Sam, you know, I hate to I hate to bring this up to Titans faithful and yourself, but this Bengals team, especially as currently comprised with Joe Burrow as the quarterback, has been kryptonite. And I go back even to when the Bengals weren't that great in Burrow's rookie year, 2020, Bengals took care of business. And that was kind of one of the, uh, we viewed it then as a little bit of a turning, you know, turning the corner game for the Bengals and then Burrow got hurt. So never got to see that fully materialized, but um, Tennessee has been good the last handful of years, but the Bengals last three contests, three and zero, including the big divisional win. What, what about the Bengals specifically do you think makes them kind of a kryptonite for, for the Titans in this matchup? And um, you know, what, what are they needing to do in general to kind of fix that, situation and not make this go 4-0 over the last handful of meetings uh yeah I think there's a couple of the obvious things which is I mean defensively Trey Hendrickson's a problem the entire defensive front really tends to give the Titans a lot of issues a team that has had a revolving door at offensive line uh that continues to try to find ways to 
give Ryan Tannehill clean pockets, but they didn't do it last year. They haven't done it so far this year. And so the Bengals are a team that takes advantage of that. But offensively, Shane Bowen, defensive coordinator, told me today that he thinks the Bengals have the most dynamic skill group of any team that the Titans play on their schedule. That includes matchups with the Los Angeles Chargers that we just saw two weeks ago. So three dynamic receivers, a quarterback in Joe Burrow who gets the ball out of his hands really, really quickly, does a lot to minimize what the Titans front four is able to do. We've seen this Titans defense sort of evolve into a group that can rush the passer really well, will sack your quarterback, can stop the run with the best of them, but still struggles with their pass defense on the back end. And so the Bengals and Joe Burrow's play style uh, has really helped neutralize what the Titans do best on defense, which is rushing the passer because they get the ball out so quickly. And when you're able to do that and win your one-on-ones on the outside, now the pressure co- is on Titans cornerbacks to, you know, can they cover? That's a weakness of this defense and probably something the Bengals are going to look to exploit again. What do the Titans have to do? Basically everything they've done poorly to start 2023, right? They have to be able to uh, protect Ryan Tannehill, not allow their left tackle Andre Dillard to have his lunch eaten by Trey Hendrickson throughout the week. (laughs) And uh, they have to find a way to uh, make, I would say make the calf injury of Joe Burrow a factor, make him move, make him uncomfortable, sack him when you have him in your arms uh, and just see if you can cover long enough to give your defensive front a chance. Speaking of kryptonites, the Bengals kryptonite is absolutely the Cleveland Browns of late. And we just saw what, what happened with the Titans last week in that. I mean, obviously a, a big loss like that can kind of viewed as an outlier. Like, like we see it all the time in the NFL. It's a week to week type of thing, but were those issues at the Titans? Cause obviously Dillard, I mean, everyone's going to lose to miles Garrett at some point and Dillard just, didn't have the best game for sure. Were those issues that the Titans experienced against the Browns like a culmination of what's been going on or or there's a lot of surprises were just kind of snowballed into that loss? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think it was all of those things, right? And then you kind of saw them all rear their ugly head in the combination of one game that winds up 27 to three. You know, you have a couple drives where you allow a sack that takes points off the board. You have pre-snap penalties. They had at least two busted coverages down the field on Amari Cooper. We all saw the highlight of Deshaun Watson throwing the ball 20 yards backwards for whatever reason. (laughs) Well, the very next play, the Titans had a 38 yard pass interference, you know, penalty downfield because their cornerback forgot that they were in the deep, uh, you know, a deep man. And he was standing around and went, Oh, I should probably go cover that guy. And they end up with a PI. So like, these are the issues that the Titans have shown us in flashes They had a game in Cleveland where they had all of them at the same time, and the Browns played some of their best football. I was very surprised with how fast and physical that Browns defense is. Outside of just getting after Ryan Tannehill, they allowed for no room in the run game for Derrick Henry. The Titans tried to get the ball to Tajay Spears on the perimeter a few times, Uh, you know, a faster option that can make somebody miss. There was no running room like they were all over everything. And you have to tip the cap to Jim Schwartz and the Bengals. Uh, sorry, the Browns defensive front. I mean, it, that's a really good group. And they're leading the league in a lot of numbers for a reason right now. Talking with Sam Phelan, who covers the Tennessee Titans for A to Z sports dot com. Um, you know, we've we've 
talked about a number of different things so far here, but uh, I, I know a lot of people associated with the Bengals, their fan base, et cetera, um, have some connection, some form of a connection with Will Levis uh, because he went to UK and, um, you know, one of the, one of the more intriguing prospects this year, because has a lot of talent, has a lot of tools, but the consistency wasn't really there in college. So there's a lot of, a lot of different things there. Some people thought, man, could he go top five, top 10 in this year's draft? He goes all the way to the second round. Titans grab him. Um, and I think if I'm not mistaken, he was a healthy scratch last week, right? So um, I don't know. I mean, just give us your, I don't know, prognosis or whatever you want to call it about him, not only right now in the short term, but him long term as the Tennessee Titans quarterback of the future, potentially. Yeah, well, Levis has been a healthy scratch every week so far. They have made him their quarterback three for now, so he's not active on game days. Uh, and I think a big thing there was a quad injury that hurt him because he played one preseason game against the Chicago Bears, played about half the game, looked pretty good, and you were looking forward to seeing a lot more of him. And I was up in Minnesota for joint practices between the Titans and Vikings when Will Levis was taken off the field and did not return for the rest of the preseason. He's now healthy. He's now working at practice again. But I think missing two preseason games in that back half of training camp kind of stunted a little bit of his development and hurt where he was able to get for this season. That being said, I do believe he's still their quarterback of the future. They traded up to the 33rd overall pick because – they believe in him. Rand Carthon, the Titans general manager, did not draft Malik Willis. He did not sign Ryan Tannehill. So Tannehill's got one year left on his contract. Malik Willis currently the backup. I believe the Titans want to go with Will Levis down the line. Uh, and I think the plan, at least the tentative plan, is for him to be their starter next season. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. VAN29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So Will Levis won't play in this game, obviously, 
It wasn't a guarantee two weeks ago that Joe Burrow was playing in this game, but he will. I, I think back, though, to the playoff game when Burrow got sacked nine times and just how the Titans were able to just collapse the pocket because Vrabel does all these stunts and twists, and there's just no breathing room for even a mobile quarterback. And now you're dealing with, with Joe Burrow, who is just not himself, and he's not able to escape the pocket at this point. Like that, that Titans defensive line, I feel like it's just the biggest key to this game. If they are able to do similar things that they could do, uh, albeit against a very maligned and battered Bengals offensive line from two years ago. But one, one guy who's new there is Arden Key, who had like, I think, eight pressures and two sacks against the Saints in the first week. So him combined with Tree and Jeffrey Simmons, like talk about like his addition to those two guys who are just mainstays on the, on the defensive line. Arden is uh, a self-described energizer bunny that you feel throughout every step he takes. I mean, you walk into that building, you can feel Arden Key's presence. And, you know, uh, Danico's more of a quiet, calm, go-about-his-business veteran. Jeff is a talker. Nobody talks more, more trash in that locker room than Arden Key. And so he's great speed off the edge, a relentless motor trying to get after the quarterback, and I think an energy that really just fires up this defensive line in general. His presence uh, is just as effective as his actual play. And a- as you saw in week one against the Saints, they didn't take him very seriously. They gave him a lot of one-on-ones off the edge. And when you've got that level of speed, he was not only able to sack Derek Carr two and a half times, He had a strip sack of Derek Carr that was called incomplete for whatever weird reason. Probably should have been his third and a half sack. Uh, But he also forces quarterbacks to step up. And that's where Big Jeff comes into play. So between the three of them, between Harold Landry, who had a 13 sack season, who is now working his way back and on the field uh, recovered from his torn ACL, They've got bodies. They, I mean, they're deep at the position. They can bring out fresh legs whenever they want. This group doesn't stop coming after you. And I think Arden's energy and leadership uh, off the right side is a big part of what they have going on. I feel like Arden Key and the Bengals were connected at some point. I can't, I can't remember where there mm-hmm. was. I don't know if there's a rumor mill deal or maybe they were thinking about bringing him in for a visit or something like that. But yeah, he's a, he's a productive guy. Kind of had a really strange career path so far. He's relatively young. I think he's 27 yeah. years old or something, and he's bounced around a little bit. But he's kind of had, you know, stints of productivity. So, yeah, for sure. Um, let's uh, – I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here, Sam. Yeah. And uh, it's a little bit of a two-parter. Uh, from both teams' perspectives, what is an area that maybe the Bengals have not exploited in these past three – um, these past three matchups that maybe you feel can be exploited and get them to the win and then flip that on its head. And what's an area that you think the Tennessee Titans can exploit of the Cincinnati Bengals this week, as these two teams are currently uh, comprised and, and potentially get Tennessee a win. Well, I'd like to see the Bengals. I mean, I, I don't know what the exact number is. At least this is just from what I've felt like. I don't think they've had enough X plays through the air so far. And I, I kind of watched that game on Monday night against the Rams. And uh, as the Bengals started to find their footing offensively, it felt like a lot of it was Joe Burrow f- starting to figure out what was working for them downfield in the passing game. This is the weakness of the Titans defense that I'm surprised mm-hmm. more teams don't take a shot at all the time, which is, mm-hmm. Drop back, air it out. Even if it's 40 yards downfield, you'll probably get a PI call with the way these corners cover right now. So 
I think the Bengals really need to, uh, like, I've, uh, you know, tipped my cap to them a few times and respected Zach Taylor for taking what a defense gives him, some dink and dunk offense in the passing game, using Joe Mixon effectively to keep teams honest, air it out against this Titans defense. And uh, I think it'll, it'll work out in the Bengals' favor. For the Titans' offense, it's, I think it has to go to Derrick Henry because we haven't seen the Titans use Derrick Henry and have a dominant running game yet this year, which we know is so ingrained into their identity of what they want to be offensively. He had 20 rushing yards against the Cleveland Browns. Not all of that is on Derrick Henry. In fact, very little of that is on Derrick Henry. But we know Trey Hendrickson and the Bengals can rush the passer. I'd like to see if the Titans can come out and make an emphasis of establishing the run to then set up Ryan Tannehill's play-action pass he likes doing so much. Um, personally, Tajay Spears is one of my favorite draft prospects this year. Just, I mean, he was just a human highlight reel in college. And I'm glad to see them him having success, at least early on, with the Titans. Considering the fact that Derrick Henry hasn't always had success against Cincinnati, now there's just this new dynamic in the in that backfield. Do you expect more uh, an increased usage with, with Tajay Spears in this game specifically? Yeah, I mean, the Titans have tried it a lot. Uh, I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too a little bit. They know that Derrick needs to get his touches, but they also have started to identify that one, they don't want to give him the ball 25 to 30 times a game. And two, having a running back with a different skill set like Tajay Spears can be very beneficial to them. Uh, so they've tried to use Tajay in a lot of passing downs, a lot of third downs. They run a lot of outside zone with him. They try and do some screen passes to him. Whereas uh, Derek has been used more as the downhill guy that I think really fits his strength. Uh, so I'd expect a pretty even split for both of them. The game does dictate their snap counts, but I think in two of the three games this year, Tajay Spears has had more offensive snaps played than Derek Henry. The Titans are being very intentional about trying to get some variance with their two runners. We are talking with Sam Phelan of A to Z sports.com and going to spend a couple more minutes with him. Appreciate your time, Sam. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds, it sounds like, you know, to me already, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, the deep ball passing and that maybe being exploited by the Bengals offense is being a key here. What are some key, maybe individual matchups? And then I guess maybe a little bit of your outlook on what you think is going to happen in this game, prediction wise, score wise, that sort of thing. I have to look at that same area, which is the deep ball passing and explosive plays. And I look at Jamar Chase taking on Christian Fulton. Christian Fulton's in a contract year for the Titans. He's their cornerback one. That's probably more of a, a cornerback two. Uh, he's had injury issues in the past and come back, but he prides himself and likes to talk a lot about how good he steps up and plays against the best wide receivers in the league. And, Frankly, when he was down there for joint practices, he locked up Justin Jefferson. He has had his issues with Jamar Chase in the past. And so them going at each other once again, I, I'm interested to seeing how Fulton, who's had some problems this year, is able to hold his own and, and how much Joe Burrow uh, and them look at look at Jamar Chase downfield. What was the other thing? Yeah, score prediction? Yeah, score prediction or, out, you know, outlook at it. You know, I don't want to steal John's thunder. Uh, I'll, I'll let him have the last question on this too. But uh, if, you, if you've got a, either a yeah. score prediction well, or just kind of hmm. what you think the ebbs and flows are going to be in this game. 
I think the Titans are hard pressed to win this game. I, I just I don't love this matchup for them. When you look mm. at the skill group for Cincinnati, when you look at a, a Joe Burrow's the best quarterback that they've played, and they've played Justin Herbert, and they've played you know uh, Deshaun Watson. I still think an injured Joe Burrow's the best quarterback that's uh, has been on their schedule so far. And then uh, I'm just I'm really really worried about the pass protection. It's funny because the offense for the Titans was so centered around Ryan Tannehill, the weapons around him. Can you sign DeAndre Hopkins? You kind of checked all the boxes and we've gotten to the regular season and realized none of this matters. If your left tackle is getting pushed back into your quarterback, every third play and you're getting pre-snap penalties and you're operating from third and 14. I don't like this matchup for the for the Titans, and I tend to be a little bit optimistic going in. So I would say uh, I'll give it a twenty-seven to thirteen, uh, a nice solid sound victory for Cincinnati here. Wow, two touchdowns, and what's historically been—I mean, at least the past two games have been uh, one score. Uh, and the Titans be- could find a way to do that. We know that's what Mike Vrabel likes to do, right? Is like, especially as an underdog, uh, especially at home, they play really well at home and they're one and zero at home right now. I just, every time I look at what are the weaknesses and are they fixable? I see a, a Cincinnati Bengals team rolling in that has the personnel to exploit those weaknesses. Well, Sam, it's been great having you on. I want to get you out of here with, with just one more quick question. You, you, this is your chance to kind of just like just speak your mind about this because it might might be a little personal for for the Titans fans and for, just for the Titans in general. We had Ted Karras talking about uh, his viral moment to, uh, uh, from last year about his uh, incident with Jeffrey Simmons and then what he said to the to the to the Titans fans walking out the field because we we all know like the Cincinnati perspective on that we had our real reactions what was it like from like the Titans pr- perspective and is it still like, even still even like talked about or brought up with this matchup or is it just kind of just behind them I think it's still on top of mind for Titans fans I wouldn't say it's on top of mind for Titans players at all I'd be surprised if Jeff Simmons has any second or third thoughts about that Uh, they they do a good job of kind of doing the men in black and wiping the slate clean and moving on to the next game or next season I will say I'm not a Titans fan it doesn't hit as personal for me and I kind of loved it and I still kind of love it. And I saw Ted Karras talking today and I'm just like, all right, I, I like a, a guy who's owning what he says and who had some thoughts and, and I competitive fire in the heat of competition going against the Titans and, and battling, but Titans fans and Tennessee football fans in general. And you see this with the university of Tennessee, they've got a chip on their shoulder. They take everything personally and they never, ever forget uh, so I would not be surprised <laughs> if Ted Karras gets booed into oblivion uh, at <laughs> Nissan Stadium when he gets announced and Titans fans let him hear it for sure. That's kind of would be par for the course. <laughs> Sam, uh, while we get you out of here, just where can we uh, where can our listeners find uh, even if it's just for this week, but where can they find your work? Where can they find you? And and where does your allegiance lie, if not with? The Tennessee Titans, my friend. Well, I am ashamed to say that I am a Chicagoan that does uh, represent okay. the Chicago Bears. And it's sad and it's unfortunate. And we're aware of how pathetic we are. But that is uh, that is where my fandom lies. Uh, if you're looking for more stuff, I'll have Titans injury updates. Uh, Titans Bengals game preview coming out later this weekend at A to Z sports.com. My Twitter 
is at Sam underscore Phelan, uh, P-H-A-L-E-N on the last name. Uh, and then A to Z Sports Morning Show as well. We're going to have some game breakdowns and uh, pregame stuff as well. If you're looking for extra content in your, uh, after you listen to uh, Orange and Black, make sure you get over to A to Z Sports as well. I appreciate that, man. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. It's, it's great sort of meeting you virtually. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully maybe there's a, a playoff a playoff game coming up around the bend here between these two. And we can, we can have you back on talking about some stuff, but appreciate your time, man. Uh, and, and thanks John for setting this up. This was, this was awesome. Hey, good Thanks, deal Sam. guys. Thanks. Thanks. Sam. Take care. All right. Sam Phelan with A to Z sports. Good stuff. Uh, that was, uh, that was actually really inform. I mean, I shouldn't say actually, but I, I just, I, there, I learned some, I learned some things about, you know, their team and or this week that I, you know, going into it, I was like, oh, you know, as you heard it, it it's kind of clicking a little bit. And then he's talking about the injuries and all kinds of different things. So that was informative, at least for me, um, to get that peak on the other side of the fence. We do good work at A to Z. We only hire the best. So not surprised. here. <laughs> uh, I love it. That's true. That's true. But uh, go check out the work Sam does. We're going to talk about some. Really cool uh, announcements here in just a little bit. And then, of course, uh, we're going to break down things before that uh, on our own side of things for just a little bit. But this is the Orange and Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. You can get this show and others in our network, Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends, as well as uh, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick, Three and Out from Jason and Kevin, our show all on your favorite audio streamer. So go check that out. We've got some cool guests, not only from, from this show coming up, but on the other shows as well. So go check that out. Really cool stuff. Uh, and then, of course, you can get this show. If you like the video side of things where you can see our lovely backgrounds, you can check out Randall behind John and all kinds of different things. You got to like the face, uh, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Give that a thumbs up as well as uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel underneath that Cincy Jungle icon. You can click that to subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And we're bringing you stuff, a good, good amount, at least on this show alone, a good amount of the days throughout the week. And then, of course, really every day of the week with the other shows and included in the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. So hammering you with content. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in live. Thanks for joining after the fact. And again, thanks to Sam Phelan from A2ZSports.com for joining the program. All right, John, key matchups, my friendo. Uh, what, what are we looking at this week? Um, you know, I, I think we learned, at least I learned, a couple of areas to exploit by the Cincinnati Bengals, but will they, can they, because of their injury situation? Right. It, it's, it's always going to be the trenches, I think, with these two teams. Andre Dillard, unfortunately for the Titans, is not looking too good. I'm not a big proponent in using sacks allowed uh, to disparage offensive linemen, but it's pretty much been a legitimate six sacks that he's uh, personally given up to the Titans offense. A lot of them came from Miles Garrett, and that's just to be expected when you're a below average left tackle facing the best edge rusher league. But this is a matchup where Trey Hendrickson should feast. You know, he had that last week. He had 10 pressures and two sacks. Doing that again, back to back, I don't know if it's completely realistic but the titans offensive line in general is not particularly a great group peter skaronsky their first round pick this year he's still injured he's at guard it's just a malign group a lot like what the rams were dealing with last week 
So it should be another opportunity for just the Bengals defensive line kind of found themselves last week. And I think they're kind of feeding off that momentum and it should be a chance for them to, you know, get pressure right in Hill's face. And Tannehill at this point in his career, he's not as mobile as he used to be. Remember, he was like a former wide receiver. So he's always been kind of an athlete, but he's getting up there in age. And the, the offense in general has been extremely sporadic, much like the Bengals offense. It, the numbers are actually strikingly similar from like an EPA per play and a successory perspective. But that Titans offensive line is where the, the true weakness is compared to the Bengals uh, and their inconsistent offense. So it's just a chance for the Bengals defensive line to kind of go off again. And that may be how they keep this close because it's a tougher matchup for the Bengals offensive line, too. It's it's not just Aaron Donald wrecking the game, you know, a handful of plays. It's Jeff Simmons coming out the middle with Arden Key and Danico Autry coming on the either side of him. It's just tougher when you're dealing with a quarterback who needs to get the ball out quickly because he can't escape the pocket or extend plays that that's why this game just feels like it's going to be close scoring regardless of the deficiencies on both on both teams. Yeah. I mean, it's across the board on that defensive line, man. Uh, Autry Simmons key. And he talked about key being kind of a, a good spark plug for the, for the Titans defense. And then you've got Harold Landry and I mean, it's, it's coming at you. And so that's where I'm going to, while you talk about the defensive line, that's kind of where I see a big, big key this week. The Bengals offensive line has been playing a lot better so far in this stretch, this first stretch of games, as opposed to the first stretches the last couple of years. I think we're at 15 sacks through the first three games last year, only five this year. I know that's not the only metric to gauge offensive line play, but it is it is one to look at. And it is, it is the major one that a lot of people look at. So that is... Um, you know, that's, that's a big area that, and, and you know, we're a lot of talk about Cordell Volson this week and, and going up against Aaron Donald, another tough test this week. And um, you know, so I, I think there is a, a, you know, an opportunity for the Bengals to really start to cement their offensive line to cement itself as saying, Hey, this is truly now becoming a solid group after multiple off seasons of big additions and new starters, I mean, new starters across the board since it, Zach Taylor took over. So I, I think this is a good opportunity if they play well here, not only for the Bengals to get the win, but for them to really start truly cementing themselves as a solid NFL unit is currently comprised. Yeah, I mean, they've been building, I think, ever since parts of that Cleveland game when Miles Garrett kind of took over. They had a solid game against the Ravens and they had a solid game against the Rams. Um, expecting to completely shut out Jeffrey Simmons is I think completely unfair to guys like Alex Kappa and Cordo Volson. We're going to see some, you know, ugly reps from them from time to time, especially because I still want to see this unit uh, handle some of those delayed blitzes and stunts in ways that past iterations of the Bengals offense line could not. It's always been kind of an issue, even with Frank Pollock uh, coaching the offensive line. And now that they have more games together, like obviously four of them have played together before Orlando Brown is still coming into his own and his what is going to be his fourth game uh, as the Bengals left tackle. But yeah, it's another chance for them to really kind of put their put their stamp on it. I did like what Sam mentioned, though, about Christian Fulton, because this has been this was a matchup in the past um, in the playoff game. And uh, when Jamar Chase, I think he had like one big play and he had, he had the screen pass against Fulton and he was kind of quiet up until the very end when he had the, the bench route. That took the Bengals into field goal range, but this game is personal for him and T. Higgins. It, it's it's interesting because you go you had that matchup between two former LSU teammates, and T. Higgins had an amazing game when Jamar Chase was out last year, and he always loves coming back home to Tennessee where he grew up, and he had a touchdown 
in, in the stadium that he he always uh, went to as a kid. So it's cool that both these guys like it's a it's a personal game for them for different reasons. And it's about time that both of them kind of play up to their standard or just produce up to the standard in the same game. Like that's an aspect that truly makes the Bengals a tough unit to stop. But so far, it's been uh, Higgins gets shut out against the Browns and Chase is getting, having a hard time going. Higgins has a good game against the Ravens. and Chase has a hard time getting going. And then the opposite yeah. happens against the Rams, right? So it's been kind of on and off for both these guys, but they're playing for a lot in this particular game. I think Chase has the better matchup against Christian Folding compared to T. Higgins going against Sean Murphy bunting. But I think we're going to get a, another bounce back performance from T. Higgins for sure. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and that's I was going to go with T. Higgins, but you also brought up, as you usually do, my friend, you brought up a very astute observation that it's not just about, hey, getting the passing game going and T. Higgins, you know, it's getting them going at the same time, both having a good game, sprinkling in Tyler Boyd and really making this thing the, the hydra that it is from then this passing attack with all of those guys. So, um, you know, I, I, it's a really good point about, making sure that it's and not only for the short term, I think, I think, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you feel this way. I, I feel like maybe we're kind of underselling the difficulty a little bit of this, of this matchup based on the score that we saw last, last week between the Titans and the Browns. This is a tough matchup and this is a yeah. team that probably remembers the last, the, what I say, the last three times they faced each other, even going back to Burroughs rookie year, they were, they remember this kind of stuff. So, this is not going to be, despite the records, despite the score last week, it's not going to be an easy game uh, by any by any stretch. But I, I do think, in in that being said, I do think that this is a good week potentially to start to continue getting things back on track in the passing game, and potentially because of what Sam said and because of what you brought up, a, a good opportunity for the Bengals weapons to get going at the same time and really start that momentum getting into that middle part of the season and then of course building upon that hopefully over the next next couple of games and out of the bye it would be great if it was if it was like a linear relationship between joe burrow's cap getting better and the bengals offense also producing better um, i think that comes down to how much more they will ask or expect joe burrow to be able to do because if he's the same if he's the same quarterback that he was last week, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game for the Bengals to win. Like he just can't be that inaccurate down the field, especially against the secondary. Like Sam mentioned, that's entirely exploitable in the deeper parts of the field. So if we're going to get a version of Burrow where he's still not his full self, but a version that is more comfortable, maybe rolling out of out of the pocket or escaping pressure or holding onto the ball a little bit longer, that may be necessary in order to achieve the results that you want because i think there's a there's a higher probability that this game is a low scoring slugfest compared to the Bengals' offense just finding itself and blowing the doors and a two touchdown performance like sam kind of predicted i just i don't really see the titans kind of going down without a fight especially after getting humiliated uh to the browns at home against a team that you've that just not had a ton of success with in recent years they are they're they're going to be playing extremely motivated football, and I don't know how much that is going to matter, but I I do think that it will be reflected in the score at the, at the end of the day. Yeah, and I mean, at some point too, you got to look at the. I mentioned these last three games. The last uh, last two have been in Tennessee, and now it's the third game in a row in Tennessee. Um, you know that's that's pretty difficult to go down in Tennessee and beat them three times 
consecutively but like like we pointed out and like sam said the Bengals just kind of seem to be like and like you said about the browns with the Bengals, um the Bengals kind of are, are a little bit of the titans kryptonite so it sounds like you're predicting well let's let's kind of talk about that before we as we start wrapping up here sounds like you are predicting a Bengals win albeit a tough close spot close score type of type of win am i misreading the tea leaves sir I don't. I don't really know, to be honest. I, I. I don't think. I think the. I think the Titans are very similar to the Rams in terms of like their offense. It can pop off for an explosive player too. Like they've done that this year, especially with Traylon Burks. I think he had like a seventy-yard reception a couple weeks ago. Tasha Spears, I think, is also underrated here. Like that's that's an athletic running back that can get out of the backfield and can give the Bengals defense some fits. Like that's a new dynamic that they have to expect with Derrick Henry I think it should be expected that the Bengals can stop Derrick Henry at least limit him from what he can normally do um, when he gets going but I I just really want the Bengals offensive line and the offense in general to kind of prove it and kind of maybe prove me wrong because that secondary is only exploitable if your quarterback can get the ball where it needs to be Joe Burrow I think is on track to being better I want to see it first because that defensive line I'm not taking for granted at all. I recognize that the Bengals offensive line is in a better place, but I can definitely see it being limited. I, I think the Titans just come out really motivated in this one, and I think they might win off like a game-winning field goal, something like, mm. like uh, I don't know. like I feel like I always say 2017, and it's a really common score, but I'll say 2017 Titans. Hmm, okay. Uh, I So there... I waver on this a little bit, you know, last week I feel, I think a lot of Rams contingent feel like, you know, there were some calls in that game where, Oh man, if the, you know, that Matt Stafford pointed out that there was maybe a tug on the Jersey and two on two, two Atwell in the back of an end zone on a throw. Uh, you look at it. It was like, yeah, I guess um, some people were questioning the Atwell stepping out of bounds play at the five, you know? Okay. I mean, I, I think most people agree that he did step out, but I mean, there, it, it felt like there was kind of some referee questions, at least from what I've seen and heard on Twitter from Rams faithful. I look at it also that the Bengals played a very, very highly imperfect game. And I feel like if they played anywhere close to making making some of the plays that were left out there, the T. Higgins drops, if McPherson hits that 56-yarder, we're talking about a completely different game, I feel like. Um, and so I guess in a way a grinder game like that where you only win by three points and you're like, man, I mean, that's the only win this year. You win by by a field goal. It gives you reason for caution, but I also saw some reasons for optimism. I saw a little bit of rhythm being hit in the passing game a little bit more. Um, The the Bengals are limiting their turnovers created as opposed to last year on, uh, on offense, Um, but they are, they're forcing more. They had six sacks last week. I think they could have probably had one or two more, if not for penalties. So I I think things are starting to get going a little bit. That being said, I do think this is a tough matchup. I'm going to say the Bengals win by like a weird, weird margin, like five, four or five points, not necessarily a field goal, not necessarily a a touchdown. So I'd say maybe like 26-20, 26-21, something like that. Um, Something where you go, hey, you know, solid win, get out of there and start and start continuing to build off of the little baby steps that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. That's just my thought. Yeah. And this, this could just be the Bengals just awakening at the right time at this point. Like, I I think it's, 
I think it's more likely that the, that the Bengals win by multiple scores compared to the, like the Titans winning by multiple scores. I think there's just more trending for them going forward compared to the Titans. And I'm not, I'm not just even looking at what happened against the Browns because the Browns defense is legit and they just took advantage of a lot of Titans uh, problems on offense. But the Bengals defensive line can do very similar things and they can com- just completely shut them down. It's just a matter of how many explosive plays are the Bengals defense going to allow Tannehill because that was still an issue against the Rams that can still you know sway the game in one way or another maybe one of those field goal trips that the Rams took ends up in a touchdown for the Titans a lot of things can happen here and I I still want to see that offense actually take the jump before I decide it's going to happen against that defensive front yeah and I I don't want to say one and three and we're back in panic mode again because there are some more winnable games in front of them but I, I do feel like this is a good, even even if the Titans are struggling by their standards, I do feel like this is a good barometer game for Bengals, mm-hmm. for the Bengals this week. Um, you know, like you said, the offensive line where they're at and where the rest of the team is at. And if they are continuing to either adjust things on offense and make the adjustments like they did last year around this time, or if they're just going to finally start finding that rhythm even further, uh, not letting some of these easy plays get by them and and really capitalizing on everything that that they can take advantage of. So uh, interesting game definitely coming up this weekend. Our thanks to Sam Phelan for helping us preview that. And uh, he is with A to Z Sports along with my co-host, John Sheeran, everyone doing some great work over there. So you got to go to that website. You got to go to cincyjungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, and podcasts such as this one I mentioned earlier, how you can get it on your favorite audio streamer through the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. Leave us a review there if you could as well. We appreciate that. And of course, you got to click that show icon underneath John and that Cincy Jungle icon down there. Click that to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available on the YouTube channel. And of course, uh, give the Cincy Jungle Facebook page a thumbs up along with 80,000 plus if you could. That out of here, John, what do you have for us? this week good sir nothing much i'm pretty pretty tired it's been a jam-packed week from monday to now but since ted karras uh was in the news again for uh standing by what he did i want to give a shout out to him i guess um <laughs> first victory pr- uh, locker room post game speech um just ceremony whatever you want to call it he made an effort to make sure that the players were actually getting the who day chant correct they still got it wrong. I think in the beginning, I think it was still who they stay. It might take There's a more while. Faces, to, man. Yeah, it might it might take more than just a week to kind of really turn that around. But it's like a nice it's like a nice allegory to like maybe the Bengals' overall issues. Right. It's just a slow it's a slow progress. But eventually, I think by the season's end, uh, Karis's work will be realized. Yeah, I, uh, we, we love Teddy K. Uh, he's he's awesome. Uh, Russ, I, I put this up earlier, but just wanted to uh, acknowledge that and thank you for the super chat there. If you like, uh, if you like what we're doing and you want to f- feel generous, you are welcome to do that through our YouTube channel. We appreciate that, and a lot of times those go to charity. And, and as a matter of fact, John, I think with your permission, I think we're going to put that one to charity because mm-hmm. there is something special that happened tonight. And if you follow us on Twitter, maybe you heard, but. We were, uh, if you remember, we had Orlando Brown Jr. maybe a week after he signed with the Bengals in free agency. We had him on the show. He was awesome. He spent, God, I don't know, 25 minutes with us or something. It was really, really cool. Opened up about a lot of stuff, not only game stuff, switching to 
you know, sides attack, all kinds of different things. But of course, what happened with his late great father and his battle with diabetes that he didn't even know he had, uh, he went into diabetic shock and ended up passing away at a very young age. Very, very sad. And so Orlando Brown Jr. has made it his, um, you know, he, he's really been supportive of uh, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, JDRF. He's done a lot of work in Kansas City, and now he is linked up with the local Cincinnati chapter. If you remember, we, and I will uh, show a couple things here. If you all remember, we put together a fundraiser um, once he found out, once he linked up officially with JDRF of Greater Cincinnati, we put together a GoFundMe, and then we were pooling the money from Super Chats on specific episodes and stuff that were surrounding his appearance. So I will pin this in there if you feel like doing this. And the reason why I bring this up, John, is because JDRF of Greater Cincinnati reached out to us, and Orlando Brown's uh, team uh, reached out to us directly and included us as media in a really, really cool event. Now, unfortunately, being where I am, I couldn't go, and you uh, were also a a bit tied up, but we were able to get some others that you are familiar with, both following on Twitter, their work at Cincy Jungle and everything. The Garrison Boys, even though they're not related, Drew and Jason made it to an event at Paycor Stadium tonight, Thursday night, with uh, that, that Orlando Brown and the team threw and uh, it gave access. He, he talked about his his you know his father's passing and why he is so so passionate about J, JDRF and diabetes research. Um, I'm going to share this. This is a picture I got this during the show uh, because they were there during the show. The Garrisons. This is Drew, and we're going to share a PDF we got from this event, CincyJungle.com, on our YouTube channel. Here we got some group time with other media members with Orlando Brown Jr. and our guy Drew Garrison got some one-on-one time. It's just a snapshot photo. Haven't had a chance. He just sent over that uh, that video to us, so we're gonna upload that and put it on our channels and put it on uh, uh, different different things for you to enjoy and do some write-ups and everything. But if you are so inclined, because he's been he and his team have been kind to us on this show, and he's been kind to us on Cincy Jungle. Uh, if you feel so inclined, please go to the GoFundMe and uh, go donate there or some super chats that we'll be doing over the next couple of shows will go there, including yours, Russ. And then, of course, uh, you got to check out some of the, the things we'll have pushing out here with photos and uh, interviews and all that kind of stuff. There were two different interviews. Like I said, it was a group interview and then Drew got a couple minutes one on one with Orlando. So we're going to have that on all kinds of different platforms for you. But we were we were stoked to be invited to this, and it was it was a cool deal. And hopefully, you'll enjoy what what comes out of it. We'll be processing that and uh, putting it out there. But wanted to drop that announcement for everybody, and you can see just how tall Orlando Brown Jr. is standing <laughs> next to Drew. Drew's not necessarily like a short short guy, um, but you know when you're six eight, you absolutely tower over pretty much anybody. Yeah, I don't think I would have been able to. I don't think my head would have been in that picture uh, if it was taken at the same angle. <laughs> Um, but yeah, cool. And thank you both to Jason and Drew for moving aside their schedules and, and getting over there and covering the, the event, which I'm sure they did very, very well because they do their jobs very well at Cincy jungle and, and, uh, all of that. So, uh, we appreciate that. And hopefully you guys will enjoy a little bit more of what we, what we have coming, uh, from this event, but pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. 
Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Orlando's been here for six months, seven months, and he's already just, I think we said this before, he's ingrained himself in the community yeah. in a great way. And it, it's great that he was on our show. It's great that he's been just, just spreading his message and getting the word out and just helping out as many people as he can. And he's got three very successful more years left in Cincinnati, and we want to make each one of them count. Yep, absolutely. And he's been playing well for them so far on the field as well. Uh, who do we have on tap tonight, John, uh, for Thursday night football? It is, is it? Well, Packers FC North. And, yeah. Packers Lions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So enjoy that one and uh, get your fantasy teams in check. You got about 45 minutes. If you're watching the live show, you got about 45 minutes to readjust things if you need to. John, we went a little long, uh, but we had a, a fun announcement and we had a good chat with Sam Phelan. Appreciate you setting that up, bud. But uh, yeah, it's been a fun show. Yeah. Now, F U Tennessee, I guess. <laughs> up yours. <laughs> up yours. Up yours. Yeah. <laughs>